welcome to the Enhanced Living Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kruger. I believe that we all have within us the power to be everything that we are meant to be and so much more. This show is a weekly dose of practical and spiritual principles, strategies, tips, and ideas to help you grow into the best version of yourself. Here's to becoming exactly who you were meant to become. I've been called a human Swiss army knife because I'm a TV host, inspirational speaker and coach, live event MC and DJ, certified yoga and Ayurveda teacher, functional fitness enthusiast, author, husband, and dad with a voracious appetite for knowledge. And I'll be sharing real talks with successful people from all walks of life, spiritual teachers and masters and experts in many different fields. I'll also share my own perspective that I've gained from over 20 years of diligent meditation and spiritual work so we can all experience enhanced living. Are you ready to evolve? Let's do this. All right, welcome back to Enhanced Living. So today I have on the show someone who is really remarkable, in fact. And I, I want to kind of go back a little bit and, and sort of tell the story, a very brief story, of course, of how this person ended up on the show. So essentially, my wife, as you know, Sharice, she came to me at one point just recently, and she was like, hey, you know, I just had this opportunity to potentially bring us in to teach on this online, really cool university sort of thing. It's all about self-mastery. Do you want to know more about it? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. <laughs> this would be so great. And so long story short, we ended up down this this long and winding crazy path. And that's how this person ended up on the show today, because she is actually the founder and chief of iAwesome. iAwesome is the International Academy of Universal Self-Mastery. She is also an energy worker, a hypnotherapist, and a self-mastery coach. Right now, today, on the show, I have with me, and I will give her title, the Dr. Reverend Aisha Hogan. Aisha, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me, Adam. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes. So talk to me real quick before we get into iAwesome, which obviously is the main driving yeah. force behind your whole life lately. Let's talk about the energy work and the hypnotherapy and, and, and self-mastery coaching. How did you go down that path into that sort of business endeavor to begin with? Okay. So before I started my practice at the Chakra House of Healing, before I started that, I worked with companies helping them streamline their businesses. I was in finance. I was sort of in the corporate world. But most of my life, I was a very unhappy person. Nobody knew it to see me. I, I hosted a television show on W Network, you know, maxed out. I used to help women with their money. You know, everything from the outside looked good. I had a successful practice, but there was no fulfillment inside. But I think that that would have been hard for me to find anyways, because I just wasn't I wasn't a person who liked myself at all. So um, a lot of stuff as I grew up, you know, big stories and everyone's got their dysfunctional stories as they grew up, but I was very isolated. I was always, I always felt my whole life. I was on the outside looking in, watching everybody else having a great life and me not. And because of my upbringing, I kind of mixed up love and pain. So I kind of thought that unless I was having a dramatic, havoc, chaotic relationship, there was no love there. Right. So I just, I couldn't, I couldn't put it together in my head. It took me a long time. And when my father died in my early forties, I'm 55 now, when my father oh. died in my early forties, something inside me snapped and all the things that I had been suppressing my whole life just flew up. It's like somebody took the, the dome off the plate or something. And there it was all in front of me all at once. And 
I had made a decision to end my life and I made it and I was extremely happy about it. I just actually couldn't wait to do it. And my father, we were spreading his ashes in Turkey as a family. We were going and I thought I got to wait for that. And then I'm going to do this. So we were in Turkey and I was having the time of my life when we were in Turkey because I knew when I came home, this was going to be the end. And I just, I couldn't wait. I just couldn't wait. And I never had met my, any of my family in Turkey. There was a lot of cousins and stuff that I'd never, ever met. So I guess it was like three days before I was coming home. And my one cousin, who's the same age as me, and she's a Reiki master. I didn't know that much about Reiki. I didn't know that much about anything when it came to like energy work and stuff. I was very spiritually minded. I always believed in the universe. I always believed that there was a higher power. I always believed in past life ever since I was a kid. But I just, I didn't know that much about it. It was just more of a concept for me. And she came up to me about three days before we were leaving. And she said, can I do Reiki on you? And I thought it was just kind of one, some spiritual thing. She wanted to do some energy work or something. And I'd had it once before. And I was like, sure, you can do it. But what I didn't realize what she was doing is she actually attuned me that day to level one and level two. In one day, she gave me an attunement. And she must have sensed something was wrong with me. And something in me like majorly shifted that night. And I, she told me afterwards, but of course I didn't know about symbols. I didn't know, like, I didn't have all the teachings. I just knew this thing just happened to me and could not explain it. But the idea of ending my life somehow overnight disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to understand what this thing was. And we didn't have any time to learn it. So I had actually contacted, I, I got on the, on the internet in Turkey and I found somebody who was 20 minutes away from the airport in Ontario, Canada. So when I was going to land and I went straight to her house afterwards. And I explained the situation to her and told her where I was. And just so happened, she was teaching Reiki one and two that weekend. So I went into her class and that's where it all began. And from there, I got my hypnotherapy training. I got my master in Reiki. I started learning NLP, past life regression. It just started. And I was, had my practice during the day and at night, if you could see my living room, it was like books everywhere. And I was just constantly studying. I'd become, I'd never become this hungry for anything in my entire life. And I found myself a couple of years later with a gazillion certificates for courses and stuff that I'd taken and sort of sitting here going, now what am I going to do with all this? Mm. And I made a big choice and it was a huge leap of faith because I was in a situation where I didn't, you know, I, if I saw a pair of boots, I bought them. If I wanted to go on a trip, I went. And I was just going to give up everything to start this path on helping other people. And I knew that if it, if I could survive it then and be in this wonderful place, so could other people. And that's where I started. Didn't even know if I was going to end up eating. Didn't know how it was going to turn out, but didn't care. This was where I was going. And I sort of planned my life to start that, this new path. And the Chakra House of Healing was born. Wow. Wow, that is okay. So there's a there's a lot to unpack there, and yeah, <laughs> and that, yeah that's truly remarkable. I want to start with where do I want to start? It's it's not it's not often that I find myself in a place where I'm going. Okay, we can talk about this. We can talk about that. We can talk. So I wanna I wanna go straight to trauma unleashing spirituality because I think that that's that's a huge point in so many people's lives. We find spirituality through sometimes it's through a joyous thing and sometimes it's through this amazing experience where all of a sudden you're like yes, but most often it's when we're at our breaking point yeah. in a place where we just are not happy, we're not content, we're not fulfilled. We realize there's something more than this physical 
permutation yeah. of whatever we're living. And it pushes us to the spiritual. Yours was, I, I guess the catalyst was your dad passing away and yes. that brought out your spirituality. Was that also what made you contemplate the end? For yes. Yourself? My father and I had kind of an interesting relationship growing up. He came from Turkey, a whole different background. We're here in Ontario and I was the eldest of three and he made a lot of things, mistakes, I think with me. He did it through love, which was weird because he was very physical in our confrontations, not sexually, but, you know, I would very heavy handed, let's put it that way. Got it. And it was often, but I remember every time him saying something to me, like, Aisha, I'm doing this because I love you. <sighs> and there was a lot of love. Like there was hugging and kissing in my house. Like we, we were an affectionate family. We weren't shy with our emotions and yet this would happen. And in an instant, and it would just, I, when I started dating and stuff, if a guy didn't beat me up, I actually didn't think he liked me. Mm -hmm. I would make it happen. I would make someone who would never hit a woman, hit a woman. Like I could do that. Wow. That's so that's wild. Yeah. I mean, so, so basically kids funny because as you were talking, it's not funny, but it's, you know, yeah, I know what you mean. Funny. <laughs> While you were talking, I was writing down chaos and love. Cause you said it, you said that you had this idea of what love was and that it was chaotic. And I was going to ask if that, and you literally just said it, is, is that based on where the relationship was with your dad, that fully played out in your interpersonal relationships as well. So how did yeah, you overcome I, that? So my dad, when we were, I guess when I was, I want to say in my late twenties, early thirties, my sister got married. Mm -hmm. And when she got married, my dad said to me, pulled me aside and he said, I'm sorry. Like he actually apologized. And he said, what I did with you was wrong. And I know because I'd gone through one failed marriage at that point. And he had said like, I know, and oh, just like a few really bad abusive relationships. And he said, I know that it's because of me. And we became best of friends after that. And so because we had, I, I wanted this friendship with him so badly, I had put aside all the things that I, that were scarred up in me, that were broken in me. I just put them away but they were there. They were just under the surface. And as long as I could have this relationship with him that was now different and where we were going to hang out and he would never judge me and I could talk to him about anything. And, you know, we got into this really great relationship where there was no worry of any kind of heavy handedness. I put everything else away. But what I didn't realize is that I had a lot of anger in me. Like if I got mad, the rage was ridiculous. Like I would throw things and I, I was awful. Like when I got angry, it was not a pleasant place to be. And I guess it was just because I just was holding on to all this rage in me. And I was just, you know, I, I was living a life where I should have been happy. You know, I had a business. I was hosting a television show. I was like, you know, um, had a good relationship with my family. Well, you know, as good as it could be at that time. And Things looked good, but I loathed myself. Like I literally loathed myself. And I was just like, oh, I just want to crawl out of my own skin all the time. And I just put everything away. I just kept pushing it down. I was always the life of the party, always telling jokes, always the bubbly one, always, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places, even if it was for five minutes. It was just, I, I didn't even know. I, when I think back at that woman, I'm like, Wow. Wow. I was some kind of wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I think, I mean, I think we can all sort of look back at different versions of ourselves. I mean, once, once you get past a certain age, I mean, you know, once you're out of your twenties and thirties, I think that you really can look back at your life and go, Whoa, I don't even know who that person was. Like, I know that was me because conceptually and I have the memories and so on and so forth, but I don't like, I'm not that person anymore. And there's two things about what you just said that I kind of want to tackle and dive into because I find that when someone takes responsibility for what they've done, right. When, so like in, in, in this case, your dad basically took, he took responsibility for, for what he had done. And, and the parent child relationship to me is, is one of the most sacred because as a child, you look up to your parent as the, they're like your God figure. They literally are the be all and end all. And you model your behavior after them and you model your behaviors come as a result of what you're taught from the parents. Now, especially my dad, like, especially my dad, my dad was like, out of, I think out of both my parents, I love my mom, but you know, my dad was my go-to. My dad was, if I was in trouble, that's who I called. It was like, it was, it was always my dad. Right. And so when you look at this and and you go through a thing where, again, I think a lot of most children don't realize this until they're grown, which is that your parents are just basically human beings. They are people who are just older than you, who are flawed, who are working on themselves, hopefully, who have all these shortcomings that we don't see. We see our parents as invincible and then eventually they fall from grace. And that's a whole other point of childhood growth slash, you know, evolution that we have to deal with. But there's something about taking responsibility. Not every parent does that. And this is coupled with the idea of you were so, I feel like your dad took responsibility for it. And so once he took responsibility, you were like, okay, it's okay. But you never actually dealt with the underlying issues. And that's what was causing the rage. Not until much later, yeah. So I want to talk real quick. What do you think the main problem with not dealing with your stuff? And I I don't, because I don't, I don't like the main, I think I hear you. (laughs) But you know, when you don't deal with it, what is the main problem? Um, I was continually in bad relationships after that. I've been married twice. Every boyfriend, girlfriend relationship that I was like, boyfriend relationship I was in was like a failure. I just, I, I couldn't even have good friendships. Like I couldn't even have good friendships. I was always suspicious. And it's interesting, you know, I mean, I understand it now, but at the time, one of my biggest triggers was betrayal and humiliation. And there was a lot of like these things. And I kept meeting people who would betray me and who would humiliate me. And what I, and I kept feeling like I was a victim all the time. Like, why is this always happening to me? And, you know, what have I ever done in my life that caused this? And it was, it was interesting because at the age of, I can't believe I'm talking about all this stuff, but at the age of 27, I had, I had an abortion and Again, somebody lying to me about something and I, it wasn't a choice I wanted to make, but I made it because I thought there was going to be a future with this person. And I found out right after I did that, that they walked away anyway. So I blamed everything that happened in my life on the fact that I did that. Like I said, I did that and that's why this is happening. I did that and this, that's why this is happening. I was calling myself a baby murderer. Like I was just like, you know, I would, you know, I did that. I made that decision and that's why all of this awful stuff is happening to me. Right. So I was never at a shortage for punishing myself. That's for sure. (laughs) It's I mean, it's interesting because I always find that the more personal we get, the more relatable we become because we all 
are people having this human experience. And we all have similar thoughts, feelings, ideas, maybe our experiences or or the method by which things happen are different. But what we all want, which is to be loved and accepted for who we are, that's a universal thing. And so and I know you know this at this point, but when someone looks at a decision like that, obviously you did the best that you could in the moment. Right. At that and time, that- it was the stuff that, you know, I, I dealt with things with the tools that I had mm-hmm. then. Exactly. And that's the whole thing. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that so many people are so hard on themselves. We yeah. treat ourselves so much harder and harsher than we would other people who would be in the same position. Like if your best friend was going through what you were going through, you would never speak to her the way that you spoke to yourself back then. And I think now, knowing what you know now and ev- evolving to the point where you've evolved to now, you would never look at yourself that way ever no, again. No, 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 no. And so it's it's just interesting how the evolution comes. And I, I want to talk about this idea that the lessons come at us until we learn the lesson. So in other words, we'll have the experience of what it is that we need to learn over and over and over again until we evolve past it, because that's the way life and karma works. So talk to me a little bit about that. At what point did you come to the place where you were just like, you know what? enough of this nonsense. I'm whole, complete, and who I am. And I, I think this ties into your Reiki session with your cousin. Yeah, yeah. so that, that was you. that was moment number one. And then when I taken Reiki one and two, I was just getting ready to take my master's and I started studying for hypnosis and stuff. And I remember one day me calling my Reiki master, you know, here, like where I live, the one I did all my training with. And I called her up and I said, there's something wrong with me. I felt myself backsliding. And the reason was, was because I, I had all this healing, but I actually hadn't dealt with anything still. Like I was fixing things, but I wouldn't, I still hadn't really dealt with my stuff and it was really wanting to come out like in a big way. So whenever I walked into Dax's house, I would walk in. The first thing she would do was always hug me. Right. Well, that day I walked in and she came to hug me and she backed up and she was like, what the heck have you done to yourself? And I was like, I don't know. I'm I'm a freaking disaster right now. So we came in and we sat down and she said, Aisha, you have to let go of stuff. And I said, I don't know how. I think this is the biggest, this was a big thing. And I said, I don't know how. And she said, what do you mean? I said, if I let go of my past, if I let go of my pain, there's going to be nothing left of me. That's all I am. Right. And I don't even know who I am without it. Right. I think if you just, if if you tell me to give you all my pain and I'm just going to be a puddle on the floor, like there's going to be really nothing left of me after that. So I was holding on to my past and everything that like I thought identified me, like I was white knuckling it. Like there was no way I was going to like, let it go. And that day she said, we want, I want to do a hypnosis session on you. And she just happened to catch me in a right mood where I said, okay, fine. And she did it. And I remember coming out of that. And you know, when kids wear Halloween masks, they're looking through those, like those little slits and masks and stuff. Mm -hmm. This was one of the most profound moments of my life, I think. Well, except for recently, but I, I, like a, a profound moment where I felt like I opened my eyes, but I wasn't wearing my own skin. That's what I felt like. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at my hands and I was like flipping them back and forth and touching my face and, and jumping up and looking in the mirror. I thought I was standing in someone else's body or something. And I got up and she said, what's wrong? I said, I feel weird. Like, I feel like I'm not wearing my stuff. And It was then that I realized that that was the very first time in whatever had happened during that. She kept me under for an hour and a half. I don't know what she did because she said I was yelling at you and stuff. And like, she goes, I didn't hear anything like you were out. And I guess my subconscious was just ready to let it go. And it kept me under. And when I was looking at myself, 
it was like, I was seeing myself for the very first time ever. I was like, Hey, I think I kind of like you. And it was just this really weird moment where all of a sudden, whatever needed to be released got pulled out in that time. I mean, so so there was still work to do, but a, a big hunk of it had got pulled out. And I was seeing myself for the very first time in my whole life without everybody else's baggage all over me. That was, I think, was a very profound moment and a moment where I had to own it. That was the biggest pill I had to swallow was that everything, every decision I had made in my life, all the pain that was there, everything I had decided to do, I decided to do. No one did it to me. I decided. I mean, there's a point in your life where you're a kid, you can't make a lot of decisions for yourself. But there was a lot of decisions that I had made after that, that were not in my best interest. So I had to own it all. Yes. And I think that that's, I th- first of all, that's just so profound. I just want to call that out for half a second, because so many people, they live based on what was we live in the past or we project into the future and we don't we don't get present with where we are and it's the ego that holds on to the story and i'm using air quotes because really that's all it is and when we remember the incident from the past we're not even remembering the incident as it was we're remembering our first memory of it so right. and science is like neuroscience has proven this like it's not you know you don't you don't even see things as they are in that moment because you're not even in the moment back then you know what i mean right. So I think it's just this phenomenal thing where if everyone could find a way to release the past and let go of the story and go, look, you're not the abuse that you suffered at the hands of your parents. You're not the you're not even the good stuff that you that you enjoyed at the hands of your parents. You're your own being. You're your own soul. You're the person that is, period. There's no other. You're not something you just are. And from there you can create. And so I think that's the beautiful thing that you accessed in that moment. And I think that that's really, really, really wonderful. I want to talk real quick because you had said that, and I find this is so true about so many people who've gone down the spiritual path or who've had these experiences where they wake up from going, hey, you know what? This isn't right. I'm not happy. It's this, this feeling of being on the outside looking in and not being happy and feeling like you don't belong and you don't fit in. How long was that something that you went through as you were growing up? Like, was, that, was that always? Can I say that you're not even going to believe this? At different degrees, I have been that girl that's always on the outside looking in until I awesome started. It was really bad when I was a kid because, you know, my name is Aisha. I come from a country called Turkey. Kids can be mean. My mom was a beautiful seamstress. She used to make me really pretty dresses, not like frilly or anything, but just, you know, dresses for school. She would make for me when all the other kids were wearing jeans or whatever it is they were wearing. That wasn't me. So I definitely was always the one who stood out in the crowd. And I think there was this one day that sort of explains how I feel about myself for a long time. Have I felt about myself? My mom would always say to me, Aisha, where are you after school? You're always coming home like an hour after everybody else. Like, where are you? And I kept saying, you know, I don't know, I'm just just coming home, right? So I guess she didn't believe me. And one day she left my baby sister with my grandmother and came to hang out at the school to see what am I doing after school? And she was hiding behind this tree and she saw all the kids coming out, but she didn't see me. And so she went into school. She was worried, like, where am I? Right. And so the teachers and everybody started looking in the school and I'm hiding in the bathroom, in the cubicle, sitting on the toilet, waiting for everyone to go because I would get beat up after school, right? So I would just sit there and wait for everybody to leave. And then I would leave to go home. And that's why I was always so late. 
And I remember my dad always saying to me, you know, little girls don't fight, little girls don't fight. So kids would poke at me and punch me and hit me and I would never fight back, right? And then that day when my mom told my dad, you know, this is what happened to her. This is why she's always so late. My dad said, if somebody hits you, <laughs> you can hit them back. <laughs> and that was like the last day I think every, anyone ever picked on me again. But I've always been that kid. Like I've always been that person my entire life, I have been that person that's always been on the outside looking in. And even when I started to get my own gifts started to open up, like, you know, I am Clara Cognizant and Clara Audient. I didn't know that then, but those things really have opened up for me. I didn't let them in because I thought this is going to make me even more isolated. Like this is going to leave me even people, gonna, they're going to think I'm even freakier than I am. Right? So it was just, I can't. And it was even just letting my gifts shine was really hard. Yeah, that's I mean, it's it's true. And and I, I know, you know, having grown up on the east coast of Canada, as tolerant as it can be, right? I've always found that, look, I'm I'm currently in Los Angeles. And here, you know, spirituality is just it's a thing, you know, everyone's like, Oh, that's so LA. Like, Oh, you're gonna go see your spiritual master. Of course you are you live in LA. But in the eastern part of Canada, that's not really a thing that's I mean, I, I know, it's probably a lot more accepted nowadays. But going back, I mean, even when I was growing up, it wasn't really something that was that was super accepted. I remember going to meditation circles when I was 18 years old in Montreal still. And that was not the that was not the norm. That was the exception. I was part of the weirdo crew growing up. So and and, and I'm okay with that. I think it's I think it's great. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we are just we're, we're where we're at karmically for whatever reason it is to, you know, for our own evolution. I want to shift gears now and talk about iAwesome because this obviously seems like the natural culmination or like based on everything that you're telling me about your life, iAwesome seems like the natural progression of where your life should have gone. So I want to get into this. So uh, iAwesome is the International Academy of Universal Self-Mastery, of which uh, Sharice and I are both faculty members. We are teaching courses there, so which we're, we're so grateful to be doing so. I want you to talk a bit about, if you would, the inspiration for iAwesome. And I know you you touched on it at our faculty meeting, or not the faculty, but the launch. But I want to hear from you for this show, for my listeners, what started it? What was the seed, the kernel, the idea? And now that it's live, talk to me a bit about the benefits of being there. And, and you know, because I, I, I think everyone should, should be taking part in this. Whew. So after COVID hit... So at that, when COVID, before COVID started, let's go like maybe one or two weeks before when COVID started, I was getting really kind of frustrated with my practice. I love helping people, but I was spending so much time doing marketing and marketing and marketing and marketing and then so little time doing what I love to do, which was really, really helping people. And when COVID hit, I kind of looked at it like a sabbatical at first because I'd spent so many years just driven, like working on this practice and that I just wasn't taking any time for me. So I kind of first took it as a sabbatical for the first couple of weeks. And I went through doing Steve Harvey's 300 list. I went through doing, instead of doing a vision board, I did a vision, there's a whole vision wall in my house. Like there's a whole wall that's like a big giant vision board. And on the vision board, I had put big love and I had put pictures of a reception in the woods, which is weird because I haven't even been in a relationship for a long time. So this was me asking for a relationship during (laughs) pandemic. So that's what happened. One day I went into a meditation and I have like a few places where I like to get started on my meditations. I'm either climbing a mountain, I'm going to a spiritual center in my mind in Costa Rica, like whatever it is, but I'm always planning something and I start there and then wherever it ends up. 
So that particular day, I was going to go to my spiritual center. However, I didn't end up there. And I ended up on this giant field. And I remember in my mind seeing thousands of people. And I remember feeling weird at the moment going, where did they come from? Because this wasn't what I was imagining. This wasn't where I was going. So there was thousands of people. Everybody was dressed in white. Everybody was on these yellow golden yoga mats. And everybody was spread out. So I don't know if they were spread out because of COVID or because of the real estate. I'm not sure. But they were. everybody was spread out. And for the first time ever, ever, in any meditation I've ever done, I honestly felt myself actually not in this body anymore. And I was standing on the field. And I could see it just as easily as I can see you now. Like it wasn't blurry. It wasn't a vision. I was there. And I'm standing there and I'm standing behind a mic and I can see through my own eyes. And I think I'm leading a meditation just by what everybody's doing, but I can't hear myself. And in that moment, I felt like there's two consciousnesses. There's this me that was on this field looking at everybody. And then there's me that just arrived going, how the heck did I just get here? And in that sort of moment, I heard in my head, Aisha, look right. So I turned my head and I look right. And I saw this collection of buildings. They're old. They were kind of like, I knew they were a learning facility of some kind. I kind of felt like Hogwartsy. They reminded me of that, but they didn't look like that. They looked very different, but it did remind me of that. And I thought this is some kind of a campus, a, a university, a, something. And I think the weirdest part was, was there was this like energy that was kind of pulsing off of it. And it Now I think of it like a heartbeat. At the time, it was just like this pulsing energy. And I remember it because it kept pushing me back. Every time it would pulse, I could feel my body being moved back. And I remember standing there looking at the sky. And that moment, I kind of knew why I was there and what message I was supposed to be getting. But I was looking at the sky going, I don't know how you want me to do this. It's COVID back where I'm from. How am I supposed to put, I thought it was supposed to be brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, how am I supposed to do this? I have no idea how I'm supposed to do this. And I'm thinking about finances. I'm thinking about the people. I don't live a very isolated life. So I mean, I don't even know the people. And I'm like, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I came back and I'm sitting here and I'm crying because of the love. I felt so much love in that energy, just so much good energy. It felt really freeing. And I remember sitting here looking at my ceiling going, I get it, but I don't know how to do it. I just don't know how. And in the next couple of days, everything started showing up the platform, the people, like everything started like just falling in front of me. I can't even explain it. It happened in such a way that I would really have to have been in a coma not to notice what was going on. And I just went with it. It's like, because my mind was not caught up in my practice. I wasn't the hamster on the wheel anymore. I'd gotten off during pandemic and I'm like, now I'm paying attention and I'm like, okay, well, I got nothing else to do. May as well work on this and see what happens. So I started working on it. And I remember talking to a few people and telling them about the vision. And, and they said, well, what's the business plan? I should, it sounds really good. And I remember saying, I was going to say, I don't know. I don't know what the business plan is. And I opened my mouth to say that. And then I spoke for an hour straight and I laid out the vision and I laid out the plan and I laid out how the revenue share was going to be. And like, I can tell you that nothing has changed from that day. We have stuck to the vision. So everything worked out. And I remember after I finished talking, I was sitting there going, where did that come from? Like, I wasn't even thinking about any of that. I don't even remember while I was talking, I didn't even know it was going to come out next. Like, so I don't know what happened to me. I can't explain it. I know it sounds weird to people. I mean, I just, I can't explain it. I just can't. It just showed up. I feel like I'm the conduit of this. And I remember at the beginning when I was working with this, my, my, my council, the people that had joined me in building it had said, 
actually, we have to call you the dean. And I said, I'm not the dean. I'm not the dean. I'm the creator. I'm not the creator. You know, I feel like I'm the mother. I feel like I'm the caretaker. I feel like I awesome. She's not flesh and blood, but I feel like she's my daughter. I feel like where I was that day on the field, I feel like I was standing in the embryo of her birth. And I feel like that was a heartbeat that I was feeling. And I'm just nesting now. Like the next six months, we're nesting. We're just creating the space for her to be to, to come and do what she has to do. I don't know how I knew that. I don't know why I knew that. It sounds weird, but it is what it is. So that's what we've been doing. And so eight of us, most of them I don't know out of that eight. Like I only met them after the vision. There's only two people on my council that I have any history with pre-pandemic. The other ones just showed up and they've been the best. Like we're such a cohesive team. And now we stand here six months later. I awesome. And, and do you remember at the beginning of this, I said in my previous life, I used to streamline businesses. So I know that a project, the size of what we've done takes about a year and a half to two years to do. We've done it in six months. It's ridiculous how much, how fast it's evolved. It's at the point where I go to bed at night and go, okay, this is done. This is done. I just need to find out how am I going to do this part? And then the next day it shows up. I've never manifested anything in my life like this. So I awesome is born. We're over a hundred faculty now we're launched and it's very different than any other kind of learning platform. I hate calling it a platform. It's a community that's out there because we're so wrapped up in marketing and pushing and selling and, and we've forgotten why we do what we do. And I have interviewed every single teacher that's come into iAwesome. Lisa Berry, one of our counsel, she's done some interviews too, but 90, I would say 95% of the teachers that have come in, I've done the interviews of them. And the reason why I've interviewed them is because I want to think, know that they still remember their passion. Mm -hmm. They still remember why they do what they do. And they're not just about how many packages can I sell? How do I upsell? How do I do this? How do I do that? Like they're not worried about all that. They are just, we're coming together. I think the COVID, the pandemic, you know, for most people, for a lot of people were, was, you know, it's been a heartbreak for a lot of people for lots of different reasons. But for me, it's been a blessing because I would not have paid attention to this vision had it shown up before COVID. It's I mean, listen, I, I'm going to say one thing, which is that I truly believe that in life, everything is a blessing on a long enough timeline. Right. So in other words, whatever we're experiencing, it's meant for our own evolution and our own growth. And yes. so even if it seems super, super sucky in the moment, you'll one day look back on it and go, oh my God, the lesson was X, Y, Z, whatever it was. And so that's not to minimize the pain and the hurt and whatever that we deal with while going through the sucky moment, right? Yeah. And I can tie that into your personal story as well. I mean, looking back at the, you know, the passing of your dad and, and your childhood and all that, it was traumatic to go through while you went through it. I would put money on the fact that you look back on that now and go, I wouldn't change a thing because exactly. I, I was just going to say that I wouldn't change one thing, you know, to say that I wouldn't change one hit. I wouldn't change one bad word. I wouldn't change any of that because then I wouldn't be who I am. Exactly. Exactly. And so I want to talk about I awesome coming through because I do believe that intention equals manifestation. When you set your intention, right. And something is 
To me, what this is, just from listening to what you're saying, this is something that was was made manifest. This was something that was like, listen, this has to be for the world. Like, this just has to be. You're the conduit. It's coming through you. That's it. Just do it. Everything's going to fall into place. And those are the beautiful, the most beautiful manifestations, in my opinion. But I do believe that in any capacity, anyone who sets an intention and goes, I trust, I don't know how it's going to work, but it's going to work. I just know that that works out. And it really, really does. Unless the person doesn't believe, unless they are going, are constantly doubting and constantly, you know, shifting towards the negative, like it's not going to happen. Why would it happen? Blah, blah, blah. You could have done that at any moment in time, but you didn't. You trusted. And here it is. It's born. And that's that. That's just want to interrupt you for one second here. The one thing that I have to say that was also like, there's been a lot of really surreal moments through all of this. And I think one of the reasons, one of the things too, that I didn't notice immediately when I came back from that meditation, but shortly after was, I didn't have any fear about anything. Mm -hmm. And I mean, about any part of my life. And I thought, this is weird because I've always had like worry about different things. And I, since then I've been trying to make myself scared about stuff and I can't, and I just don't know what happened to me over there. But when I came back, I came back less the fear and the ability to feel the fear. I feel so confident in what I'm doing that I think that they said, you know, we have to send her back to do this, but we can't let her have the fear because otherwise it's not going to work. Yes. Yes. And so I want to talk real quickly about iAwesome and what it offers. And Mm -hmm. so if you can just touch on that briefly and and what people get for it. And because we're at the point right now where I I usually ask my guests, there's one thing that you you tell my listeners so that they could live more enhanced or to to help them live a better life. I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, hey, why don't you go ahead and jump on iAwesome, take some courses. As, as a faculty member, I can tell you straight away that every single faculty member on the faculty, yep, we're going to go there. There's complimentary courses. There are courses that are absolutely free. Once you're part of iAwesome, once you're in the community, you can take courses and learn and enrich and enhance your life at no additional charges. And and then if you want to dive deeper, obviously there's there's another tier that you can go to where it's a lot more involved and you can become certified in things. But I don't want to steal your thunder. I want you to tell my listeners right now, just give them a, an overview of what they get by joining iAwesome and where they can, obviously where they can find it. And I want to leave this episode with on that note because I think that it's it's just so fitting. Okay. Well, to be a member, I, I'm thrilled for the students. I'm excited for them, actually. So you have a collaboration of teachers that are inside iAwesome. And this is a little bit different than any other faculty and a lot of other learning platforms because I don't look at them. They don't, well, none of us look at each other. We're not a commodity. We're not a product. You know, we are a family and that's how we operate. And inside iAwesome, when you come in there, it is, it says interactive social online learning academy. So that means it's exactly like any other social media, meaning you have timelines, you have groups, you have your own personal timelines, you can connect with people, you can make friends, you can hang out. So it's got all of that, but it also has courses. And the courses, every faculty member brings in courses both paid and complimentary, but there's tons of complimentary courses, events, groups, that type of thing. And they're just growing every month. Like they're every day we're like launching new courses. So it's really cool. And even in the courses, each course has its own group. And that's so that the students can inside that, inside the community. Now there's smaller communities. Every course becomes its own community so that now the students can interact with each other. 
and they can interact with the teacher. And the reason for that, that I really, really wanted to do that was because last year, $165 billion was spent on online courses. That's how much people bought. It's a huge industry, but only 9% of the people finished their courses. They completed them from beginning to end. And I know that I've taken courses that I've never done anything with. So I'm sure a lot of other people have as well. So how out of that 9%, how many people actually did anything with what they learned? How many of them executed? So the reason for the communities is so that you can be motivated. We can be there to motivate you so that there's accountability. So you're they're not alone in this. You don't have to do this by yourself right? So there's, there are people all over that can help you. And in every facet that you need help with, is it business? Is it money? Is it food? Is it breaking down barriers? Is it anxiety? Is it, you want to learn about Ayurveda? You know, you want to learn about Qigong. There's so many beautiful different courses in there. We're up over almost a hundred courses, almost more than that now. And it's just this beautiful place where you are supported, where there's no marketing inside. I awesome. So we don't market to our students. There's no ads. There's no negative posting allowed. There's no prejudice allowed. There's no bigotry. We do not allow it inside iAwesome. So this is a place where you can come in. You're always accepted. And it's a place where you can work on you and being the best version of yourself that you can be in an environment where you will be supported by so many beautiful faculty. I absolutely love it. Obviously, we're on board. Aisha, thank you so much for being here with me today and and for explaining all of this and for telling your beautiful story. Anyone interested, which I highly urge and recommend you to at least go and check it out. It's iausm.com. Iawesome, right? And I'll put it in the show notes, of course. Aisha, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me and letting me letting me tell you the story. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Thanks for listening.